live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. I don't cry, I make a plan. I've always been this way. So I grew up poor, I wanted to go to college, I made a plan. Wanted to write a book, made a plan. Wanted to teach at a university, made a plan. Plans are so simple, right? Want to get married, make a plan. You don't have to tell him, it's kind of awkward, but it worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's really great. Um, so, when my husband and I decided that we wanted to have a baby, the very first thing we did was we made a plan, right? Pregnant, getting pregnant plan, right? You guys know how that works, no details. <laughs> But the getting pregnant plan worked, and we were pregnant, and we were so excited. Um, because my husband and I, in this really dorky, overly sentimental way, like really like each other, and we were super excited about like making a little person. Like, yeah, I'll stop making that face, but that's how we feel about each other. Um, so, pregnancy, right? Now we're in the pregnancy plan. So we have the pregnancy plan. And the great thing about pregnancy plans is there are so many books. Like you can go to the bookstore and there's like entire sections full of books about what to do when you're pregnant, right? And so, and there's things online. You can print out checklists, like who's gonna be at the birth? Is your mom gonna be at the birth? Is your dad gonna be at the birth? Is your mother-in-law gonna be at the birth? Why would all these people be at the birth? I don't know. But who's gonna be there? Do you have a crib? Do you have that baby pillow thing, right? Like, so many things that you can do. And check, check, check. We're going through the list, and I'm doing gentle yoga. I'm, like, eating healthy foods. I'm, like, walking. Like, things are going great. Everything's, like, up to plan. And you know that thing they say about the best laid plans? <laughs> so at seven months in, we had blood. And at seven months in, we had the emergency room. And at seven months in, we had a personal abruption, and then seven months in, we had an emergency C-section, and at seven months in, we had Rowan. And he was there, and he was so tiny and so small, and you know, these five little fingers, wait, no, 10. <laughs> I had to count, right? So I'm like, 10 fingers, 10 toes, like what are all the things you're supposed to do? He's there. Like, and the thing that they don't tell you about premature babies is, you know, they're, when they're so early, they don't have a chance to build up their fat stores. So it's like his skin was almost translucent. And you could see like the blood like going through his body. Um, and so we had a moment of, holy shit. <laughs> and then we had a moment of, what do we do? Like, what do we do? Because um, he's here. And my husband and I both looked at each other and we said, okay, let's do this then. <laughs> and so we said, what do we need to do? And so for preemie babies, premature baby plan. You make a plan, right? So the plan is premature babies, they need to get bigger, they need to stay warm, and they need to breathe. And luckily, we were early enough that we got to get, um, I had steroids, so his lungs were able to grow faster, which meant that he actually was able to breathe. Um, so check, all right. Um, keeping him warm, right? Cuddle him up, keep him in a blanket, put him under the heat lamp. They do all, they also do this thing called um, kangaroo care, where you keep him on their chest and like keep him warm and he like, it's kind of like almost like being back in your body, right? So we're keeping him warm, we're keeping him safe, and then we're helping him grow. So we're feeding him and we're nursing him and I'm nursing him and then we also have like 
the scavage feeding tube that goes down into his stomach and gives him food too that way. And it takes time, but it's working. Like he's getting bigger and he's getting better. And then three days in, his heart rate monitor goes off and the nurse runs in and she brings her stethoscope and she checks him and then she calls in the doctor and the doctor comes in and she checks it, he checks his heart and then he calls in the technician and the technician comes in and he checks his heart and the technician calls in the cardiologist and the cardiologist comes in and he checks his heart and the cardiologist sits me and my husband down and, and he says, your son has two holes in his heart. And I, I think there's those moments where it's like something happens and you know that on the other side of it, like nothing's gonna be anything like you planned, right? Nothing's gonna be the same. You can't even imagine what it's gonna be. And that was that moment. And we stood on that moment. And I said, okay, so what's, what's, what's the plan? Like, what do we do? Like, and he said, at this point, um, he's okay, but we're gonna watch and we're gonna wait and we're gonna see what kind of symptoms come up. So if he starts to not be able to grow as well or if he's not eating very much or he's getting sick a lot or it's really hard for him to get over a cold or we start to see lung um, fluid building up in his lungs, all these things that we're looking for, right? And so we say, okay. And we're in the waiting plan. Like the waiting plan is like the worst plan. <laughs> like it's like, okay, 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 okay. So what are we gonna do? Um, we're gonna wait. And my husband and I were like, okay, what do, what do we? We can't, we can't just live in this all the time, right? Because we have him. Like, and he's not just this heart defect. He's not just these two holes in his heart, right? So what do we do? Okay, we have a baby. Like, we have a baby. This is great. So we do the baby planning stuff, right? Like, you've got to make him bigger and help him grow and make him smart, make him funny and kind and all that stuff that you want, right? There's entire sections in the bookstore about this, too. <laughs> so we read books. Can you guys tell I love books? I super love books. So I'm like, okay, so we're reading, like, yeah, what, what do we do? Like, how do we make him smarter and how do we make him kinder and how do we make him, like, good at talking and, like, fun to be around and... And... So there's this thing called executive functioning. Does anybody know about executive functioning? It's basically this idea that if you want your kid to be able to like complete a task, right? Like that's called like executive functioning. So they can see into the future, they know what they have to do, right? Um, and it's one of the things that when you talk about CEOs or people who are really successful like in their lives and in their careers, they have this thing, this executive functioning where they see how to complete things. You know how you make that happen in your kids? Play plans. <laughs> so we totally did that. <laughs> um, but play plans are awesome. They don't sound as like, you know, what is that? I don't know. I'm not even going to label myself. Don't label me. So play plans. You get down on the floor with Rowan, right? And we're like, what do you want to play? What do you want to do? And he's like, I want to um, play Legos, and I want to draw a picture, and I want to do the laundry. I'm like, two of those things are awesome. One of them's probably not going to happen today. So we played. Like, we played. And we did all the things that you do with a kid, right? We went to the park, and, and he met new friends, and, like, and he ate lots of new foods and tried different things. And 
All the while, though, he's getting sicker, like, and he's getting more tired, and he can't keep up with his friends. And his heart is getting bigger, right? And you know, they call it heart enlargement, because it's just this idea that like your heart is enlarging, like it's doing too much work, it's like the muscle is getting stronger and stronger, and you don't really want it to. So in April of last year, we went and went for his cardiologist appointment, and and we said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to move forward with this surgery. Like we're gonna have to do open heart surgery. There's not there's not really a choice. Like at this point, we can't we can't wait so much anymore. Um, we're on that edge where there's long in, long term implications of how it's gonna hurt him. So he might not be able to breathe as well as he gets bigger. He might not be able to run as well. He's not gonna keep up with his peers. All that stuff. So we're putting all that in, and we're figuring out how it's gonna work. And we're like, okay, in July, he's gonna have this heart surgery. So I do that thing that I do that you guys know about. I don't have to explain it very much. It's called planning. <laughs> so I'm like planning our summer. Like here's what our summer's gonna look like. He's gonna have a surgery in July and I'll be home all of July and August. And we go in in June for his last echocardiogram. And then the cardiologist sits down with us and talks about it. The cardiologist says, so there's this vestigial valve in the heart and basically some tissue is getting stuck on there. So there's this possibility that like a hole could kind of close on its own. Like it still has that chance. And so then we start weighing it, right? Um, because you're weighing like, could this really awesome, amazing thing happen? Or are you just like hurting him for the future? Are you making like his lungs worse? Are you like scarring his lung tissue? Like what are the implications there? So we did that waiting plan again. And we were waiting, and we waited through fall, and we waited through winter. And by the time spring came around, this spring, we, we couldn't wait anymore. It wasn't just that he was sick, it was that you could actually literally tell from his heart size, like that his heart had grown so much. And it's just this, this curve that's only going upward. It's not, it's not even a curve, it was just straight up. Um, and we had to stop, we had to have the surgery. So we scheduled the surgery for March, and the day before the surgery, you know, I'm sitting down, um, and Rowan's in my lap, and I'm holding him, and they're taking his blood, and, and it's this moment of like, like it's this really painful moment, but at the same time, we're talking through it, you know, and we're saying like, what's happening? Like, what are they doing? Like, where's your blood going? And, and so he's, he's okay. Like, he's okay, and it's happening. And so we, had, we get his blood taken, and then we go over and we tour the ICU, and they show him, like, this is where, um, you know, this is where you're gonna be after your surgery, and um, this is the bed, and like, he gets up on the bed, and he starts pushing it up and down, and up and down, and up and down, and up and down, and then they show him that there's like video games, <laughs> and a TV, and then they, um, they bring him over and he gets some juice out of a little cooler, and then they show him where the ice cream is, and like, Rowan is in. <laughs> like, he's like, this is gonna be the best thing ever. Like, there's a sucky part, but then once that's done, like, I'm gonna have all the cranberry juice that I want. He loves cranberry juice. <laughs> so then we knew that the next morning he wouldn't be able to eat anything, right, before the surgery. So we went to Safeway on the way home. So we left Dornbecker, we drive down the Safeway, we get fruit and cheese and crackers and bread and cookies and muffins and cupcakes and like a, a, an entire thing of raspberries. <laughs> 
And Rowan's like sitting in the back of the car, right? And he's taking the raspberries and he's putting them like on every single finger, like one at a time, right? And he's got them on there and he's like, <laughs> and then he's like popping them into his mouth, right? Like, so he's in, the, he's in a raspberry place. Um, and then the nurse calls and she says, he has a virus. He said, what? And she's like, he has a virus. It's probably the cold virus he had five or six weeks ago. Um, it's still in his system, so we can't do surgery tomorrow. We bought hand sanitizer. <laughs> we bought like 20 tiny bottles of hand sanitizer, right? And we kept him home from school and we kept him away from all the germs and he missed like two of his best friend's birthday parties and we rescheduled his own birthday party because we were trying to make him healthy enough to keep him safe to let him have his heart surgery, right? And so finally we get it scheduled and we get it on April 9th, right? We're gonna have the um, pre-op on April 9th and the surgery on April 11th. So we go in for the pre-op and he passes the blood test, and we eat a ton of food at the hospital, like again. Like, it's like, that's the thing that we can do, right? So we eat so much food, and then the next day we come back, and he hasn't eaten anything that morning, and you know we're talking him through it, we're keeping him like occupied, because it's not till two o'clock in the afternoon, and that time is like so long, but it's also like so short, because you know what's on the other end of it. And so they brought us into this little white room, and he was, they, they said, like, do, do you think that he'll go away easily? Like, do you think he'll be fine leaving you? I'm like, in what world? <laughs> no. Like, and so they gave him this pre-anesthetic. And what it does is it, like, relaxes him, right? And so at the beginning, he's kind of like, you know, he's playing with the bed. He's playing with the bed. Then he's starting to get kind of floppy. And he's flopping everywhere. And so, like, I pick him up, and I'm holding him. And he slowly just kind of melts in. Um, we take him and I'm holding him and the nurse comes in and the anesthesiologist comes in and they say like, you know, it's time. And so I picked him up and I put him in the bed and I say goodbye. And I say goodbye in like the dorkiest way possible because it's this thing that's so important and that mattered so much that I wanted to say the right thing. And so I'm like, you know, I love you. Like you're my best friend. Like, and I'm really gonna meh. Mm. I love you because I didn't want to say I'm, I'm like I'm gonna miss you because I didn't want him to miss me as he was going down that hallway. And so then my husband hugged him, and my husband talked to him, and then they rolled him away. And then we just have like this, these seven hours, right, of just waiting, like just this weird time where like. It, Nothing, like, I have nothing. Like my mom was there and she would be talking and I'm like, nope, like, I don't even know what to say. Like, because we were there, like we couldn't be there, but we were there. And then finally they come back and they say, you know, you can go back and see him. And so, so we get up and we like walk down the hall and they, we get checked in and we get our little stickers and we walk down and we see him in this room. And he's like in the middle of the room in this giant bed and he doesn't look at all like Rowan. Like he's like white and he's pale and he's got this breathing tube in and the machine is breathing for him. And it's another one of those moments where you're standing on the edge of it and you know that like, you know everything that's happened and everything that he's been through and you see him like, and you know 
that he could be okay or he could not be okay, because this is not like, you stand there. And then we walked in. And we walked in, and we sat on his bed, and we started to make our plans, <laughs> because now we had a whole summer in front of us. And that's, that's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with that summer, because the surgery was six weeks ago, um, and just this week, um, earlier in the week when it was sunny, we went to the Tualatin Fountain, and the water was like splashing everywhere, right? And he had his regular clothes on, but you, you know, you like was playing around, and I was like, "You're fine." And so then he's all in, right? Like he's got his hands in there, he's like waving him around, like he's stomping around, um, and then eventually, like he calms down, and he comes out of the he comes out of the fountain, and I take his shirt and like gets his shirt off, and I'm like wringing it out, and he's laughing because there's so much water coming off the shirt, right? And I look over at him, and he's got like this giant scar, right? and this giant scar coming down all the way to here, and then it ends with like this little dot right here. And that's where the chest tube was. And I said, Rowan, like, it looks like you have an exclamation point on you. <laughs> and he like looks at it, and he's like, yeah, I do. It's like my chest is saying, like, let's do this. <laughs> so that's what we're leaving it with. Let's do this. <laughs> Thank you.